views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants and no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk WNRI 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host, John DePietro. All right, here we go, folks. Welcome at lunchtime. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am, it's Juan. This portion of our program of the John DePietro Show on this Friday, it's January 3rd, is brought to you by Immortal Seats. Hey, do you still want to go to the game tomorrow night? Well, Immortal Seats, Michael, they have your tickets. That's right, log on at Immortal Seats. You can log on. Uh, it's Immortal Seats. You can call him. He has an office right on Smith Street in North Providence. Immortal Seats. They have tickets for the game tomorrow night. Call them at 888-933-SEAT, 888-933-7328. Your chance to see, I believe, it's going to be Tom Brady's final game in a Patriot uniform at Gillette Stadium. Uh, they also have tickets, obviously, for Celtics, Bruins, uh, Kenny Chesney, Motley Crue, Taylor Swift. But Patriot tickets, game tickets tomorrow night. Download the free app, Immortal Seats. Download the free app, Immortal Seats. And then on top of that, uh, it's $30 off. Type in promo code 30 off. Now, we're going to talk to Tim Dodd in just a moment. But I'm seeing that Mitch McConnell is speaking right now, Senate Majority Leader. And I want to just dip into this. We're going to ask Tim to be patient for a moment. Let me just dip into this. Uh, let's see. Um, I believe we have. Hold on. Let me just check. I don't know why I'm not hearing Mitch McConnell. All right. Um, let me do this. Is Jeff, uh, hold on, Tim Dodd. I don't know why I'm not getting, um, let's see. There's three and I can see him speaking. Hold on, Tim. I just want to see, uh, I would imagine he's speaking about the strike. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Let me see if I can uh, pull him up. I believe I can. All right, let me play a little bit of this. I know I speak for the entire Senate when I say that my prayers are with all American diplomats, personnel, and brave service members serving in Iraq and in the Middle East. I'm grateful for their courageous service to protect our country. Right from the outset of this new year, it is already clear that 2020 will require the Senate and our whole nation to redouble our resolve to keep America safe in this troubled world. Now, Mr. President, on an entirely different matter, of course, we also anticipate that another totally different, very serious item will be heading the Senate's way Soon, the Senate will have to address some of the deepest institutional questions contemplated by our Constitution. We'll have to decide whether we're going to safeguard core governing traditions or let short-term partisan rage overcome them. Back in December, I explained how House Democrats sprint into the most rushed, least fair, and least thorough impeachment inquiry in American history has jeopardized the foundations of our system of government. 
Folks, this is Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Last spring, Speaker Pelosi told the country, quote, Impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there's something so compelling and overwhelming and bipartisan, I don't think we should go down that path. That was the speaker less than a year ago. Back in 1998, when Democrats were busy defending President Clinton, Congressman Jerry Nadler said, there must never be a narrowly voted impeachment or an impeachment substantially supported by one of our major political parties and largely opposed by the other. Such an impeachment would lack legitimacy, said Congressman Jerry Nadler 20 years ago. That was obviously a standard when the Democrat was in the White House. But ultimately, House Democrats cared more about attacking President Trump than keeping their promises. So they rushed through a slapdash investigation. They decided not to bother with the standard legal processes for pursuing witnesses and evidence. We don't have time to do that. Chairman Adam Schiff told the entire country on national television that getting court decisions takes a long time. He didn't want to wait. Takes a long time to go to court. So they just plowed ahead. Plowed right ahead. Folks, this is Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Weak case, right now on the floor of the Senate. And impeached a duly elected president with votes from just one, just one political party. Democrats have let Trump derangement syndrome develop into a kind of dangerous partisan fever that our founding fathers were afraid of. And then, Mr. President, just before the holidays, this sad spectacle took another unusual turn. As soon as the partisan impeachment votes had finished, the prosecutors began to develop cold feet. Instead of wait indefinitely while they check the political winds and look for some new talking points. This is yet another situation where the House Democrats have blown right past the specific warnings of our founding fathers. Which is the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on the floor of the Senate. Significant. Alexander Hamilton. Specifically warned about the dangers of a, quote, procrastinated determination of the charges in an impeachment. He explained it would not be fair to the accused and it would be dangerous for the country. Speaker Pelosi apparently does not care. Her conference is behaving exactly like the quote, intemperate or designing majority in the House of Representatives that Hamilton warned might abuse the impeachment power. So, as House Democrats continue their political delay, they're searching desperately for some new talking points to help them deflect blame for what they've done. We've heard it claimed that the same House Democrats who botched their own process should get to reach over here into the Senate and dictate our process. We've heard claims that it's a problem that I've discussed trial mechanics with the White House. Even as my counterpart, the Democratic leader, is openly coordinating political strategy with a speaker 
who some might call a prosecution. So it's okay to have consultation with the prosecution, but not apparently with the defendant. Oh, and we've heard claims that any senators who have formed opinions about House Democrats' irresponsible and unprecedented actions, as they played out in the view of the entire nation, should be disqualified from the next phase. Obviously, Mr. President, this is nonsense. Nonsense. Let me clarify Senate rules and Senate history for those who may be confused. Folks, this is Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell First, live right now on the John DePuy About this fantasy that the Speaker of the House will get to hand design the trial proceedings in the Senate, that's obviously a non-starter. What I've consistently said is pretty simple. The structure for this impeachment trial should track with the structure of the Clinton trial. We have a precedent here. That means two phases. First, back in 1999, the Senate passed a unanimous bipartisan resolution, 100 to nothing, that set up the initial logistics like briefs, opening arguments, and senator questions. It stayed silent on mid-trial questions such as witnesses until the trial was actually underway. That was approved 100 to nothing. Somewhat predictably, things started to diverge along party lines when we considered those later procedural questions. But the initial resolution laying out the first half of the trial was approved a hundred to nothing. I believe we should simply repeat that unanimous bipartisan precedent this time as well. That's my position. President Trump should get the same treatment that every single senator thought was fair for President Clinton. Just like 20 years ago, we should address mid-trial questions such as witnesses after briefs, opening arguments, senator questions, and other relevant motions. Fair is fair. Now, let's discuss these lectures about how senators should do our jobs. The oath that senators take in impeachment trials to, quote, do impartial justice according to the Constitution and laws, end quote, has never meant that senators should wall themselves off from the biggest news story in the nation and completely ignore what the House has been doing. Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. We're going to wrap up right here. Meant Senate, that senators check all of their McConnell political judgment at the door. Speaking about impeachment right now on the Senate floor. And, and strip then we're away go right to all of our independent judgment so bear with me right about now. what is best for the nation. Friday. It has never meant that. And it never could. The framers debated whether to give the power to try impeachments to a court or to the Senate and decided on the Senate precisely because impeachment is not a narrow legal question. Impeachment is not a narrow legal question, but a deeply political one as well. Hamilton said this explicitly in Federalist 65. 
Impeachment requires the Senate to address both legal questions about what has been proved and political questions about what the common good of our nation requires. Senators do not cease to be senators just because the House sends us articles of impeachment. Our job remains the same, to represent our states, our constituents, and our nation's best interests in the great matters of our time. That is our obligation, whether we are voting on legislation, nominations, or the verdict in an impeachment. 20 years ago, I would add, Democrats understood all this very well. President Clinton had obviously committed an actual felony. President Clinton had actually committed a felony. If Democrats actually believed in the narrow sense of impartiality that they've now adopted as a talking point, then every single one of them would have voted to remove President Clinton from office. Oh no, but instead, a majority of the Senate decided that removing President Clinton, despite his proven and actual crimes, would not best serve the nation. Mr. President, they made a political judgment. And by the way, back then, Leading Democrats had zero, zero objections to senators speaking out before the trial. The current Democratic leader, Senator Schumer, was running for the Senate during the House impeachment process back in 1998. He voted against the articles both in the House Judiciary Committee and on the House floor. <clears throat> And a major part of his Senate campaign that year, listen to this, was literally promising New Yorkers in advance, in advance, that he would vote to acquit President Clinton. People ask if it was appropriate to him to prejudge like that. He dismissed the question, saying, quote, this is not a criminal trial, but something the Founding Fathers decided to put in a body that was susceptible to the whims of politics. That was the Democratic leader in the 98 Senate campaign. That was the newly sworn in Senator Schumer in 1999. A few weeks later, during the trial itself, Democratic Senator Tom Harkin successfully objected to the use of the word jurors to describe senators because the analogy to a narrow legal proceeding was so inappropriate, according to Senator Harkin. So, so look, Mr. President, I respect our friends across the aisle, but it appears that one symptom of Trump derangement syndrome is also a bad case of amnesia. A bad case of amnesia. And no member of this body needs condescending lectures on fairness from House Democrats who just rushed through 
the most unfair impeachment in modern history or lectures on impartiality from senators who happily prejudged the case with President Clinton and simply changed their standards to suit the political winds. Look, anyone who knows American history or understands the Constitution knows that a senator's role in an impeachment trial is nothing. Nothing. Like the job of jurors in the legal system. The very things that make the Senate the right forum to settle impeachment would disqualify all of us in an ordinary trial. All of us would be disqualified in an ordinary trial. Like many Americans, senators have paid great attention to the facts and the arguments that House Democrats have rolled out publicly before the nation. Many of us personally know the parties involved on both sides. Look, this is a political body. We do not stand apart from the issues of the day. It is our job to be deeply engaged in those issues. But, and this is critical, the Senate is unique by design. The framers built the Senate to provide a check against short-termism, the runaway passions, and the demon of faction that Hamilton warned would extend this scepter over the House of Representatives at certain seasons. We exist because the founders wanted an institution that could stop momentary hysterias and partisan passions from damaging our republic. An institution that could be thoughtful, be sober, and take the long view. And that is why the Constitution puts the impeachment trial in this place. This is Senator, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Not because senators should pretend they are uninformed, unopinionated, or disinterested right in the long-term political questions that an impeachment of the president poses, but precisely because we are informed, we are opinionated, and we can take up these weighty questions. That is the meaning of the oath we take. That is the task that lies before us. Impartial justice means making up our minds on the right basis. It means putting aside purely reflexive partisanship and putting aside personal relationships and animosities. It means coolly considering the facts the House has presented and then rendering the verdict that we believe is best for our states, our Constitution, and our way of life. It means seeing clearly not what some might wish the House of Representatives had proven, but what they actually have or have not proven. It means looking past a single news cycle to see how overturning an election would reverberate for generations. So look, you, you better believe senators have started forming opinions about these critical questions over the last weeks and months. We sure have. 
especially in light of the precedent-breaking theatrics that House Democrats chose to engage in. But here's where we are, Mr. President. Their turn is over. They've done enough damage. It's the Senate's turn now to render sober judgment as the framers envisioned. But we can't hold a trial without the articles. The Senate's old rules don't provide for that. So for now, we're content to continue the ordinary business of the Senate while House Democrats continue to flounder. For now. But if they ever muster the courage to stand behind their slapdash work product and transmit their articles to the Senate, it will then be time for the United States Senate to fulfill our founding purpose. All right, folks, there it is. Senate Majority Leader, I believe he, oh, thought he was done. Mitch McConnell, I think he is done. Get word. He's on the Senate floor. And he is. All right. Good afternoon. It's Sean DePietro, and I want to uh, bring him on right away, get his reaction to that. And that's our legal analyst. Happy New Year, and thank you for his patience. And it's our friend, Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, thank you for joining us. Happy New Year. I, obviously, I didn't know that he was going to speak prior to uh, us having you on, but I would like to get your uh, reaction to what we just heard from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Yes. Hi, John. Thanks. And first of all, uh, happy Happy New Year to you and yes. to all your listeners. Um, well, nothing the senator said is incorrect. I mean, his summation of what's transpired in the past, in past, um, you know, the Clinton impeachment um, trial, and what happened in the House during this investigation of uh, President Trump, uh, he didn't really miss any of the factual elements. Um, He's correct in terms of the composition of uh, the Senate's role as dictated by the Constitution. If you go back and look at the Constitutional Convention, this was a topic which vexed the framers of the Constitution, and they worked long and hard to get a compromise to get the Constitution ratified. And what they came up with is something that has worked, obviously, for um, since the inception of the country, um, never had it been shanghaied in the way that the um, House Democrats shanghaied the process uh, during this particular investigation. I was listening also, waiting to come on at the top of the hour. The Senate Democrats seem to have no sense of irony. Um, Senator Blumenthal, who's just a stone liar about so many, many things, um, comes on saying that the Republicans are looking to hide the truth. Why can't we have witnesses? Why can't we have full disclosure? Where was he during the, obviously, I know where he was. He wasn't saying a word during the House impeachment investigation. That's right. And now that, you know, the, the Democrats had the power and they shoved these articles of impeachment down the country's throat. Um, I think it's wrong the way it, the, the process unfolded. But right now, Mitch McConnell has all the cards, and I don't think that he should give an inch because he's got the power. If this is going to be clearly partisan power politics, 
then Mitch should not give up any advantage that he has right now. Right. It's astonishing. It's astonishing that Chuck Schumer and Blumenthal and all these people are out there bemoaning the fact that there's not full disclosure, bemoaning the fact that there's not going to be witnesses and discovery and new testimony where everything that the Republicans wanted during the House investigation from asking for subpoena power, nope. Witnesses, nope. Counsel for the president, nope. Uh, can we cross-examine these witnesses? Nope. Can we object to um, uh, Representative Schiff coaching witnesses? Nope. I mean, nothing got past um, the House Democrats that the Republicans wanted, for better or for worse. So now the shoe's on the other foot. The media is willfully um, broadcasting every complaint that, that Democrat senators have. But I think McConnell, who's a shrewd operator, is going to stick to his guns. And I think Pelosi is holding back the articles until Chuck Schumer can get an agreement. And I think if McConnell doesn't give him an agreement, you know, we might be in a stalemate through the summer. And I think that would be just fine from the president's uh, perspective if you're a supporter of the president. And I think the, the Democrats look uh, increasingly foolish by bottling this up until they get an agreement on witnesses. Can you believe it? They want now witnesses. They want new testimony. They want discovery. They want subpoenas. They want everything now that a month ago they would not give the Republicans. And the media has no sense of irony. I, I haven't seen any hard question asked of Chuck Schumer or Blumenthal or all nope. these talking heads out there saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. And comparing this process to what happened with Clinton for openers and comparing what they're now seeking versus what happened in the House, where not a peep was made by any of the Democrat senators saying, we think the process is unfair, there should be witnesses, there should be subpoenas, et cetera, et cetera. I also think, which is a little off your question, um, Rudy Giuliani has been, I think, saying way too much. Oh, yeah. He's out there. Rudy's out there saying that he's willing to testify, he's willing to prosecute the case. Um, the guy is just way over his skis at this point. Yeah. No wonder they had him the in Ukraine. <laughs> but if the president doesn't really rein him in, um, he might have to... Um, jettison him or really um, circumscribe his role because I don't think he's helping the president at all with all of these public pronouncements. Um, I, I don't know what he's doing. I think that some of his statements have been really um, untimely and unwise, just like I think it was unwise and untimely for McConnell to say he was coordinating with the White House. That was Maybe he's doing it, and maybe he can defend it like he did today, but it's a faux pas that he can't run away from. He should have never said that. Yeah, and Schumer's speaking right now, but I'm not going to care because I'd rather talk to you. Tim, can I want to... You, know, you, know, you know what Schumer's going to yeah, say. Yeah. And again, he's going to say it with a straight face, with no sense of irony. The media is going to report it verbatim with no sense of irony that he's saying one thing now and something before. They will never compare and contrast what he said during the Clinton impeachment here... Uh, trial versus what's happening here. The, he will never be asked a tough question. And Tim Dodd, just uh, on the legal element of it, so much of went on in the quote House uh, hearing and, and trial of this. I mean, there was so much hearsay. I, I know we've talked about it, but so much of what was put in, put on the record, would never be allowed in, in a real 
trial in real court. I mean, it, it was really preposterous of the third hand person overhearing things and that type of thing. It's not it's not a criminal trial, but to analogize the House proceeding to a criminal trial, the defense would have moved for a motion for judgment of acquittal at the conclusion of the prosecution's case. And if this was in a courtroom, the defense motion to for a judgment of acquittal um, would have been granted. The defense would have never had to put on one witness or said one word because the state's case here, the prosecution's case, um, completely fails, completely fails. There was no competent evidence of um, the president's instruction um, to, um, you know, quid pro quo with the Ukraine president. There's simply no competent evidence that that happened. It's all based, as we've said many times, on hearsay, speculation. Somebody thought the president meant something and that got conveyed. I always analogize it to the game of uh, telephone. By the time it goes around the, the, the horn, the message is completely different. I think in large part the same thing happened here with all these diplomats whispering and gossiping to each other. Uh, the message becomes what they think it should be or what they want it to be. And Tim Dodd, and again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this Friday. We are speaking with our legal analyst, uh, Tim Dodd. Um, Tim, in just regards to the strike, I mean, th this business of, you know, Congress wants an investigation, and he should have come to us. If, if the evidence and the information intelligence pans out that, uh, that you know, the Secretary of State was saying was that they had intelligence that this guy was planning imminent attacks against Americans. I, I mean, you tell me, but legally, the, the President of the United States, the U.S. military, Secretary of State, have the right to authorize a military strike of this kind of someone who is planning, plotting, and in the, in the process of executing an imminent attack against Americans or the interests of the United States. Yes, I think the president was within his rights legally. I don't think he had to go to Congress and get congressional approval to take this action. He is going to argue, and I hope the facts for his sake would support the fact that there was an imminent threat that was being cooked up by this general. And the fact that um, this general's organization, separate and apart from his role with the Iranian military, uh, he is also the head of, um, I, I can't name it because it's a Farsi name, but he's in charge of all of their worldwide terrorist operation. And his organization was identified by the U.S. as a terrorist organization. So the flexibility that the administration has in going after these types of targets is different. For instance, the president could not order a hit on, for whatever reason, on the um, chief of staff, if he really wanted to do so, of um, name the country, Greece or um, Serbia. He would not be within his rights to do that because uh, there's not a terrorist element there. But the guy that got um, taken out, in addition to being a military general in the Iranian army, allegedly was also the head of the worldwide terrorist um, um, expansion that uh, Iran was seeking. So it's an extra, like outside of his military role, um, gave the president and the administration, I believe, the legal authority to hit him in the way that they did. Um, it would survive any challenge uh, as far as the legality of the action taken, I'm quite confident.
folks. And again, we're speaking with attorney Tim Dodna. Tim, um, since, you know, the, the day is thrown off just a little bit because of the strikes last night and so forth, um, I, I'd like to almost throw it to you to start off the new year of, uh, of this, of some legal stories that are particular interest. And then I'm actually going to follow your lead on this. Is there something in the news that caught your eye that you would like to touch on? A couple of things. Um, one, and I think it's of interest to your listeners, um, the General Assembly passed law, every year they pass way too many laws. The, the books are clogged with new legislation. But one particular statute that came online as of January 1st um, would be of interest to people buying or selling real estate. And the, it's always been for years the case that if you're trying to sell real estate, residential real estate, um, part and parcel of what you have to uh, provide any interested buyer is a seller's disclosure where you have to answer questions. How old is the roof? Has there ever been a flood in the basement? You know, is there a well? Has it ever failed? How old is your ISDS system? There's a multitude of questions. Do you have lead paint? What type of insulation do you have? And I've been involved in a number of um, pieces of litigation where a buyer buys a house and later on finds that uh, seller painted over evidence that there was fire damage or painted over evidence that there had been water damage in the basement. Any number of situations where it's alleged that seller phonied up the condition of the house or lied on the seller's disclosure form in an attempt to deceive a buyer who now buys the house, closes, and now they realize that they've been sold a can of worms. The new legislation goes further, and it talks about any modifications to electrical heating and plumbing and ventilation systems and any modifications regarding mold eradication. As we see, mold is becoming a bigger and bigger problem. Uh, so far, we've avoided it this winter, but every winter, houses get substantial damage from uh, roofs that create ice damming. Um, you get water between like the exterior shingles and the interior plaster of a wall, and you get um, significant and extraordinarily expensive mold problems that need to be eradicated. The legislation was originally put in, John, in case you're buying a house that had previously been used as a pot, as a pot growing facility. Because if you're going to grow pot, you've got to modify the plumbing and the electrical to handle what's necessary to do the indoor growing of marijuana. But this goes further. So if you had your your brother-in-law come in and do some rewiring in the house without a permit, technically you're supposed to disclose it. It gives a buyer much more recourse if the seller fails to disclose correctly, and it simply provides the buyers with more information. And I can tell you, sellers lie on the disclosure all the time, and buyers get hoodwinked all the time. And for anyone buying and selling real estate out there, they should know that there's new disclosures that they're responsible for. And if you're a buyer, you should really be looking out for these things to make sure that you don't wind up with a can of worms. I mean, there's lots of other legislation passed, but I think that's a real consumer-style piece of legislation that affects lots of people buying and selling houses in a hot uh, housing market. Um, 
the other legal story locally, I think it was predictable, John, but in the um, Carmen boat sinking case, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago. My prediction was that Judge McConnell would not grant a new trial, and in fact, he did not grant a new trial, uh, which was fairly predictable. Uh, the case was somewhat preposterous uh, from from its inception, and when, as we've talked about, when a plaintiff chooses to go jury waived and simply have a trial in front of a judge sitting without a jury, the possible appellate issues or the ability to get a new trial really shrinks because the judge sitting without a jury is both the finder of fact and then he applies the law to it. So it's very tough to tip a ju uh, judge trial decision, either on the ultimate verdict or even on the decision whether or not to grant a new trial. So now Carmen's card to play would be if he wanted to appeal Judge McConnell's decision, both in terms of the verdict and the denial of the new trial motion, and go up to the First Circuit. Um, I think that would be a fool's errand, but hey, people do it all the time. Sure. I think that there's no chance that he prevails, and I think that becomes the end of this case. Um, other things that were of interest. Hey, we, I'm actually we, let's um we're going to hold it there just because of uh, the the developing news of the day. Because then next week I do want to get into the Palm Reader and then that yeah. couple in Pawtucket. Palm Reader's a good one. The yeah, the, the, the murder in Pawtucket. That there's uh, there's anyone that wants to be a criminal. There's certainly a downside to having a tattoo on your face, as it makes it easy to identify or posting things on Facebook saying we're uh, shooters and fighters. A, that's not a that's not a good idea. No, I don't know. I think it's a little bit tough. It's one thing to say I saw someone seem to have dark hair and so forth, but someone says they have a bullseye in their right cheek. That seems to be easy to identify. Folks, he's going to be with us in the new year. He's our legal expert, Tim. Tim, happy new year, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. All right, folks, I'm going to go to um, this is uh, Senator Chuck Schumer on the Senate. Questions that can only be answered by examination of the documentary evidence and by the testimony of key Trump administration officials under oath in a Senate trial. These developments are a devastating blow to Leader McConnell's push to have a trial without the documents and witnesses we've requested. Each new revelation mounts additional pressure on the members of this chamber to seek the whole truth. With these new emails, going nowhere. we're getting certain portions of the truth. It is going nowhere. We need the whole truth. Oh, my God. <clears throat> For example, you know, Much I'll, uh, I'll get the summation of it, folks. But again, good afternoon. I want to say good afternoon, one and all. It's John DePietro. Now, coming up, we have a special guest, a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL, is going to join us at 1 o'clock. I want to say good afternoon to uh, everybody. Let me check in. Everybody tuning in on Facebook Live. We're going to open up the phone lines again. Obviously, a lot of developments in the past uh, just 24 hours with the, the strike in Iran. Let me say good morning to uh, this Daniel. How long has he been in office? Uh, and Rhonda. And Cindy Neal, and um, let's see, um, well, all right, well, I, I don't know. I, I agree with him on uh, Julie. Giuliani's not helping uh, things in any way. Um, term limits would be good. Uh, this There's a comment, uh, Janice McBride on Facebook Live. I'm not an impartial juror, Mitch McConnell, not complaining about fairness. Well, but he, he was saying that. They're saying it, it, is, a, it is partisan, and they're making it partisan. 
hundreds of bi- uh, bipartisan bills on his desk complaining about fairness. He blocked the Supreme Court nominee complaining about fairness. I, I disagree with that. Mitch McConnell's been making it. Um, yeah, that's right. Christine says, I want to hear the non-whistleblower. What happened to the whistleblower? Notice the leak stopped as soon as they got rid of the uh, the whistleblower. All right, 766-13. But folks, as I mentioned earlier, very, very dramatic. And it is a time right now. I want to just check some of the um, headlines that are out there right now. Iran, right? What time? It's 1246. It's Friday afternoon. It is January 3rd. Happy New Year, one and all. Tehran vows crushing revenge. Are there sleeper cells in the USA? We don't know. <coughs> we are on guard for some kind of a cyber attack. Um, Trump rattles Mideast with r- risky strike. The general of Iran torn to shreds. Listen, this was a bad guy. This was someone who, in fact, uh, there's hundreds of deaths at his feet. And they were planning another imminent attack. Now, here's another headline. Iran has Hezbollah sleeper cells in the U.S. and they're ready to strike. The threat posed by Iran Hezbollah embedded in major American cities has once again come to the foreground. Following last night's assassination, authorities in New York, Los Angeles announced they're ramping up security in readiness for possible revenge attacks on U.S. soil. Now, uh, Mayor Bloomberg did speak about that earlier. So New York is on high alert for a terrorist attack. But, folks, what this comes down to, and I've been saying, we've been talking about uh, since 11 o'clock this morning. And, again, good afternoon, one and all. It's John. It's uh, it's Juan DePietro. It's the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. Happy New Year, one and all. We go until 2. I am still slightly under the weather, but under doctor's care, very confident over the weekend. More bed rest. Juan will be 100%. Uh, coming up on Monday. Uh, but here's what we know. President Trump took action. When you have a terrorist attack our embassy, the president was not going to stand back and allow this to turn into another Benghazi. And the president took action. I support him in that. I think many of you do. Americans support him. Many uh, Democrats and unfortunately members of Congress are apologizing to Iran. you imagine? And then you have people like Congressman David Cicilline saying thoughts and prayers to the people of Iran. I don't know why you would uh, feel that way or do something like that when they attacked our embassy and they were preparing to kill Americans and uh, enact more attacks. So I don't know why you would say something like this. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Ryan's Appliance Repair. Happy New Year, from everyone at Ryan's Appliance Repair. Remember what we say. If your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair. 401-710-7096. 401-710-7096. Repairs on all makes and models of appliances. Also, senior citizens discounts available. All work is guaranteed for 90 days. Parts and labor. Call Ryan. Maybe over the holidays. Um, your stove is not working correctly or your refrigerator or whatever it may be. If you have an appliance that's not working properly, call Ryan's Appliance Repair, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 401-710-7096, 401-710-7096, Ryan's Appliance Repair. All right, it's, uh, what time is it? It's 1250 
10 minutes of one. It's Friday afternoon. It's John DePietro. We have a special guest going to join us at one. We're going to take more of your phone calls on the developing story now with uh, Iran. And they have uh, protesters in the street. And they are uh, threatening. They're going to attack the United States. And obviously fears that this thing could escalate with what happened. I'm not sure exactly what the options were. But I think the president, I think the military made the right decision. We'll get your reaction to that and a lot more. I'm glad. Good. I say they had it coming. You have to, uh, you know, you got to send a message. If you're going to attack our embassy in that way, we're going to strike back. And they took out a real killer. All right, 401-766-1380, a lot more ahead on the John DePietro Show. Do you own and operate a small business and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. With no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. You know, you're trying to run your business, but maybe, maybe it's possible that you are having problems and you need mega truck and trailer repair. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, folks, call them today. Family success story serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts for the past 20 years. Now, again, this is geared for businesses. MEGA, M-E-G-A, truck and trailer repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508 508- 336-2110, MEGA truck and trailer up here. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections, Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, ABS repairs, brakes, doors. If it's on a trailer, they can fix it. MEGA truck and trailer up here. Happy New Year to all of their loyal customers. And you could become one of their customers, your company. Mega Truck and Trailer Repair, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. Paul Massey Buick GMC South is New England's number one Buick dealer with the area's largest selection and Rhode Island's number one GMC dealer. Get the lowest price anywhere. Paul Massey's one price plus true car equals our best price. Guaranteed. Lease a 2020 Terrain SLE front wheel drive for only $198 a month for 39 months with $24.88 due at signing. Paul Massey ride. So shop Paul Massey where every vehicle is clearly marked with our lowest one price. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine and he said, I'm so glad to hear that Henry Oil provides your oil. Because he said, they're my oil. I said, you're damn right. Henry Oil, folks, the Rhode Island success story since 1947. Who's your oil provider? Call Henry Oil today. Call Lori and call Carmine at 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, full-service fuel company, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, 24-hour burner service for contracted regular customers, oil burner service and installation, Automatic delivery, they have budget plans, lock and cap pricing, 
serving most of Rhode Island and southeastern Mass. You can check them out online at henryoil.com. Folks, go with a local provider that you can trust. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Henry Oil. Call them today, 521-0200. Call Carmine, 521-0200. Service contracts, budget plans, residential and commercial fuel oil delivery since 1947. It's Henry Oil. You are listening to The John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. Let him fly. Here comes the tomahawk. About time. Attack our embassy? You attack our embassy? Dream on. Hillary's not the Secretary of State anymore, Harry. Or Mohammed. Or Ayatollah. Can't stand those people. So glad. Good for President Trump. Damn right. Ugh. How about Cicilline? Thoughts and prayers go out to the people of Iran. Yeah, drop dead. Too bad he's not... Well, never mind. Too bad he can't see the light, is what I wanted to say. It was a surgical strike. It was necessary. How long has that song been around? It's been around for a little bit. Still a great song. Remember John McCain singing all season? It's about time. Packing our embassy. Who do you think you're messing with? Jeez, out of your mind? Your mud huts with your rocks? Yeah, go hang some posters. Hell with them. You know what this means? Four more years. Damn right. Finally, a real president. I'm not going to take that. Another Benghazi? I don't think so. Hey, Cicilline, get on board. Yeah, Bernie Sanders is now going to elect it. Not. Damn right. All right. 766-1380. You can email me, john at com. Hate mail is coming in fast and furious today. It's quite all right, folks. I'm used to it. Yeah, God forbid, I, I think we should stop an imminent threat against Americans. To the phones we go. Good afternoon. You're next on the John DePietro Show. Hello. John. Yes. I was uh, sick like you were yesterday. Oh, I was, God. I was listening at Schumer. What a fraud he is. He is. What a, listen, there were, I was listening to Fox this morning. They said that friggin' yo-yo was only 15 minutes away from my embassy. We gonna do pull up Benghazi? Yeah, no way. Oh, Are you crazy? A, oh, it was a video. Oh, it was a video. They lied. You can't pick that friggin' Obama. Never mind worrying about Trump. No way. No. This this, this is so valuable between our intelligence. And, and they cross, when you cross the line, you know, you send a message to the world. If you attack an American embassy, there's going to be consequences. And, and don't think that North Korea and Putin and Syria, anybody else, that sends a very strong message. You could be next. If we can locate that guy 
and have a pinpoint strike like that as right. he's getting right. out of his motorcade at the airport, hey, guess what? We could do the same thing to you. Definitely. And you're going to go wait. They're worried about him with Congress. We're going to do. You're going to make them wait so they could go leak the CNN. Yeah, like so they, they could go leak person. it like that. These people are crazy. Like that Rep. Omar, you know, there's there's an old expression. is You're not paranoid if there are people against you. Some of these reps, they are pacifists. They are against any type of military action. They, it's always the blame America first crowd. You, you can't rely on people like that. I mean, if people want to elect them to office, then so be it. But you, you don't involve them with something like that. I thought that Mike Pompeo, I thought he was brilliant today the way he awesome. defended this. And Ciccolini, put him on the front lines, Ciccolini. Can you imagine the congressman thoughts and prayers to the people of Iran? They killed an American, they attacked their embassy, and they were going to exert more threats. You know, this was President Trump. What I liked about this is, if you remember, there was not long ago, at the last moment, he called off an attack because he said, you know, it's not worth it. be a lot of lives. This shows, listen, he picks his battles carefully. This was going to be an imminent threat, and it was a surgical strike. You send a message, and now it becomes, let's see who else has a complaint and wants to step forward. Well, maybe Obama will give him $1.8 billion of his own money. <laughs> You're funny. I'm cheering him on. Good. I'm telling you. Me and, too. Yep. Big time. And you know what? This means four more years. That's what that means. Definitely. You watch. This weekend, NFL playoffs, when they do the national anthem, when they say, you know, let's hear it for our troops watching this overseas in the Middle East. You, you know what? One other quick thing, and we're going to talk to a Navy SEAL coming up next hour. You're going to want to hear this. But in that, in that part of the world, and I've spoken, I've traveled to the Middle East, if you follow my career, the only thing they understand is force. It's, it's unfortunate, but the only thing they understand is force. And you know what? And they got it. Folks, it's John DePietro. You don't want to miss next hour. Very special guest, Navy SEAL. We're going to break very quickly, get an update for the 1 o'clock news. We're coming right back on the John DePietro Show. 236-CW, W260-DC. W-N-R-I.